I don't know where we begin with this one. Wait till you hear this. I could not believe what I read. Now, I was at Woodstock 99. I went all three days for free. And it just so happens at the time. I, well, I was born and raised in New York. I grew up in the Albany area. Woodstock 99 was hosted at a military base out in Utica, New York. Or Rome, New York, rather. Not too far from each other. And I drove out there the first day by myself. The summer of 99 was gorgeous out. All three days were absolutely beautiful. Sunny, humid, great, great time to have a concert for three days. I have been waiting 20 years for the Woodstock 50th anniversary. Thinking about it, I thought a lot about it after Woodstock 99 for probably a good year or so. I was so excited because Woodstock 99 was amazing. Now, if you're like me, see, I'm going to be 42 this year. 20 years ago, I was 21 years old, 20, 22 actually, when I went to the when they went to Woodstock 99. They had all the bands there that I loved. The grunge era was just rocking it there. They had older bands too and some other bands that just never made it anywhere, like Insane Clown Posse. You know, they buried them on like some little small stage there. I can remember everything vividly. It was, it was amazing. Amazing time to be alive, not only during the grunge era, but also going to Woodstock 99. So I went up there the first day. How I made it through all the checkpoints and parked only about, mm, I'm going to say, I got pictures of it too. I was probably a couple hundred feet away from, I think it was the east stage. It was the east or west stage. It was the main stage, basically. All right, that's where Corn performed, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, Bush. Where all the big names were. Dave Matthews, Corn. The lineup was unbelievable. And at nighttime, this is the first time I actually experienced a rave, although I did like trance and rave music back then, long before it was popular. And I can remember the first rave I went to, it was at Woodstock 99 at nighttime inside of an airplane hangar with about five to 8,000 people. And that was the one of the best, not just raves that I ever went, because raves were... Raves were just emerging. It wasn't, it was, it was that kind of music um, genre that wasn't really popular, but it was gaining a lot of steam. And I just loved it. And I still do. So when I went to that rave in an airplane, just think about that for a minute. An airplane hangar, just completely redesigned for a couple of days. To have raves at night with all kinds of really cool lights and fog. Thousands of people just having, a, having an amazing time. So the first night, the first day and night was amazing. And I remember falling asleep in my car because I slept in my car. I mean, I was like a young kid. I was 21, 22, 22 years old. So I was sprawled out in the back. It was uncomfortable. 
but it was doable. And I had such an amazing time because I went by myself initially because tickets were, I think, $130 or $140 a piece per day, not including any, like, refreshments or food or anything. That was just to get in the door and walk through the gate. There were gates all over the place. The place was massive. If anybody listening went there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can remember. So I didn't take anybody with me. Well, then what I did, I decided to drive back home, pick my friend up, my good friend Steve, who grew up the street from me, and ride back up to Woodstock. And to my surprise, we parked closer. I parked close the first time around. The second time was about 100 yards closer. So picture this. I still to this day do not have a clue how we were able to get through so many checkpoints with state. I never saw so many state troopers in my life. And it started miles before you got there. There were checkpoints or, you know, they're directing traffic this way or that way. And for whatever, I didn't even have like any kind of like police looking car or anything like that at all. It was a, it was a 1980 Buick Regal. It was about as 80s as you're going to get. Great car. Uh, it, was, it was great. But somehow I made it through all of these checkpoints. And I can remember when I was getting really close to where Woodstock was going to be. The police were really distracted with a bunch of other people like off to the side because there's people walking all over the place. So I just kept driving. I just drove real slow through the checkpoint. Nobody stopped me or anything because they're so busy with other stuff. And there I was parking where the promoters were parking, the artists, where they had the bus and the tour, like tour buses and stuff for all the bands. I could not believe it. And it gets even better. It just so happens. This is why this story is so amazing to me. It just so happens that I had a Old Navy t-shirt, a yellow one with white lettering on it. So picture this. It's a white, or uh, I'm sorry, a yellow t-shirt from Old Navy with the Old Navy logo on the front in, in white. So white lettering on yellow doesn't show up. So the whole thing looks yellow. It was the exact tone yellow that the security guards were using. And I was a, I've always been a pretty good-sized guy. And I had the same color shirts that they had. But theirs said security on the back in black. Mine didn't say anything. So what I did was I blended in with them. And I just kind of stayed behind them. So if anybody looked back, I had a yellow shirt on. But security was only on the back. So if they looked back and saw me with a yellow shirt, they just assumed I was them. There was just thousands of security all over the place with yellow shirts. So it's, I mean, it was so easy to blend in. It was the perfect pitch, the exact same tone yellow that their shirts were. And it was even kind of the same design. So it was a win-win. So I walked right in with them. And that's how I got in the Woodstock the first day. And the second day. But one of the other times... When my, uh, when my friend was with me, we found the gate that we checked. The, I kept looking because Mr. Me, me, I love like social engineering. Okay. We went all three days for free. For free. So, so I was so determined to get in and experience this. I'm glad I did. So the first day I went in with my, my T-shirt on, blended in with security, 
Walked right in. Then the, then I went back, picked my my friend Steve. I came back up. The second day, we were able to walk right in with security. I think he brought a yellow shirt too, if I'm not mistaken, or something close to it. And then the third day, and once we got in, we were in. We stayed in there until it was until we were exhausted, and it was time to go back out to the car. And the third day, third day, this was really interesting. We were able to, while we were inside, while I was in the first day and the second day, and then Steve came up second day, while we were in there, I kept looking and remembering who was at the gate. Because most of the people that were manning the gates were sick of manning the gates because you literally had a half a million people there coming in and out all over the place. And I think they had about five or five or eight exits or entrances around. So what I did, I found the entrance with the oldest people working it. And there was this old man and old lady. They must have been in their late 70s, early 80s. So they were the easy target. And I knew I could get in if I went to that gate. And I brought my photography equipment up. What a pain in the butt. I was lugging that stuff around. I mean, I just had, you know, I, I wanted to take pictures and stuff. And I did. This is before digital cameras were, like, everywhere. They weren't even on phones. I don't even think you could send a picture on your phone. It was just straight either. You could make a, a, a quick little... Uh, text message or call somebody and that was it couldn't play games on them or nothing so what we did was i took my i took my photography equipment it was just basically a bag with my 35 millimeter camera in it and i said that uh i i i'm i'm here this is my brother and i was pretending it was steve or it was steve and i was pretending it was my brother and i said hey um do you mind if we go inside and give my father who works on the base his photography equipment. I said, we don't, we, we're not here for the concert. We could care less about this. I just want to bring him his photography equipment, and then we're going to come right back this way. And she looked at me. She goes, you're going to come right back out this way? You're just going to drop your camera off and come back out? I go, yeah. And that's all it took. Once we were in, we were in. There's so many people around there, and the place was so massive. You couldn't possibly keep track of it anymore. Plus, it's blazing hot outside. You know, when you're at the gate all day, making sure people have the right, like, credentials to get in or the tickets or whatever, you, you, you literally have tens of thousands of people passing by your gate every day. And you, you can't possibly remember everybody. So once we were in, we were in. We were in, and it was awesome. I'm going to have to go through and dig up some photographs that I took there. Really amazing time. The music was just, oh, it was so awesome just to experience it. So now that I got that out of the way, that was Woodstock 99. We're going to segue into Woodstock, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. I have a lot to say about this. Let me tell you, my, my chops are fried over this. I literally, when Steve and I were there, I was telling him, not only on the ride back from Woodstock 99, I mean, the experience was unbelievable. It was the best concert venue or event that I have ever gone to in my entire life, as far as entertainment goes. Nothing compares to it. Not even a little bit. So I was telling Steve, I said, hey, Steve, I said, this is just unbelievable. We can't, um, it's so amazing. We're having such a great time. I said, 20 years from now at the 50th, I can't wait to go. Can't wait. 
had such a blast at that one. And over the years, you know, I mean, you're talking 20 years ago now, which is, I can't even believe it's been 20 years already. Holy moly. But over the years, and we're talking 20 years ago, over the years, I kept thinking, this is going to be so amazing. You know, we got another 10 years to go, five years to go, three years to go. I can remember three or four years ago when they started blasting this all over Facebook and advertising it, saying, hey, it's coming. We're going to have one. We don't know what the lineup is or anything like that, but we're going to have one. The 50th anniversary is coming up this year. I remember three years ago saving the event and getting all excited about it again. And then over the last week, my excitement turned into, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, there's millions of people literally in the same boat as me. We're just shocked. We are shocked at the novice lineup. Now, you can call it what you want. I haven't heard at least 95% of the people that they have lined up to perform at Woodstock, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. Pretty much all of the bands that were at Woodstock 99 are still around to some degree. Some of them are still thriving. Dave Matthews, Corn, still thriving. Limp Biscuit kind of faded away, but they they would probably still come back around for a if uh, you know to, to make an appearance at Woodstock, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. All the grunge bands, a lot of grunge bands are still around, and I feel like that's what it should be. I don't think any of the bands from the the original Woodstock are around. Maybe maybe a couple people here and there like bits and pieces of a puzzle kind of, but not enough to have like a big show. But the ones from Woodstock 99 are definitely around still. And as far as I'm concerned, they should be at this one. I I mean, the names of some of these, these bands, I never heard of them. And I listen to music all the time. And I know a lot of other people that listen to music. And I still never heard of these people. And not nothing for nothing. I mean, nothing against Miley, Miley Cyrus, but she's one of the headliners, which doesn't, to me, she doesn't feel like a Woodstock band or singer whatsoever. Jay-Z's going to be there. If that doesn't scream not Woodstock, I don't know what does. Nothing against Jay-Z. Some of his songs are great, but he's not a Woodstock candidate, in my opinion. When I think of Woodstock, I think of Dave Matthews' band. I think of Corn, Bush, Rage Against the Machine, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Bon Jovi, Aerosmith. That's what I. That's what I feel. And and I mean, I feel so strongly about this. I feel, and we're we're gonna get to the price of the tickets in a minute. That will just make your head spin if you don't know what they are now. Oh my God! Wait do you hear this? So we're. And it's going to be at Watkins Glen. Now, I'm from New York State. I just relocated to Florida a year ago. I have been to Woodstock many times. It is, there is no other place like it in the world. It, you can just feel the music vibe there. The whole place smells like patchouli. They've got the Esopus Creek that runs through Woodstock. It is a gorgeous, and it's right in the Catskill Mountains. You could not ask for a better setting. It's such a chill place. 
whether it's you're there in the daytime or nighttime. Might be a little rough in the wintertime, but like if you're there in the fall and the summer, oh man, it is, it's a dream come true. Let me tell you, you go bike riding around there, walk through the shops. There's so much history there. There's people walking around in that town all the time that look like you feel like you're taking a trip back in time. And it's, it's awesome. There's no place like it. No place like Woodstock, New York. So having said that, Woodstock 2019, the 50th anniversary, is going to be in Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen is literally five hours north of Woodstock, New York. Now, okay, you probably can't have it at the original site. That's fine. But the lineup is horrible. And the price per ticket, not for a three-day period, it doesn't include anything except just getting in the, the just getting through the gate is $788 per ticket. Now think about that for a minute. 700. But let's just call like it's such an odd number. Let's just call it $800. At that point you might as well just spend 1000 to get in. $788 per ticket. What the hell were they thinking? For that novice lineup. No thanks, man. I mean, when I went to Woodstock 99, water was about $12 a bottle at Woodstock 99. And it was so hot outside, people were just, I mean, they were ready to, like, kill for it. So I stopped at the grocery market before I went up and bought four cases of water. So at first, I was thinking to myself, what are people going to want? They're going to want, like, toilet paper. They're going to want water. And I was going to try and make some money in selling it. So I bought a whole bunch of water up. Thinking I was going to sell them for like, you know, five or six bucks a bottle and recoup my money, plus have money to like just spend in there and stuff. But it was so hot and humid, I kept all the water to myself. And my friend Steve. So this time around, if you're going to be paying $788 a ticket, expect $20 a bottle this time for water. Maybe even more. And that's not for like a 60 ounce, that's not for a gallon or half a gallon. That would probably be for a 20 ouncer. Guarantee. This is just simply unbelievable to me how expensive it is to get into Woodstock, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock, $788. I mean, even if you can afford to go, most people want to go for three days because it's the big 50th anniversary. If the lineup was better, I might consider $788. But I'd want to go all three days. I'll tell you right now, if you're going to buy the tic- a ticket for $788 to get in there, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be beside yourself when you see the price of water and food in there. Because I guarantee you, you won't be able to bring a cooler in. I guarantee you, you're not going to be able to like have a cart in tow like you would if you went to the racetrack for the day. You probably won't be able to bring anything in there. Not food or beverage-wise, anyway. So add another $500 on, now let's say, let's say, add another $200 on a day for probably beverages, a few beers, a couple bottles of water. If it's really hot out, you're going to be, you're, you're probably going to have, you're probably going to have to have like a case of water just to, for yourself. Stay hydrated. Speaking of water, I'm going to uh, take a little sip here. I'm all worked up over this. <clears throat> really trying to keep my cool here. 
because I've waited 20 years for this and the lineup sucks and it's almost $800 per day to get in, not counting any beverages or any food. So you might as well just round it up to like 1100 bucks a day. If you want to go all three days, it's going to cost you almost $4,000 a person. That is ridiculous. I don't know what he was thinking. I would love... See, here's the thing. I could probably get a hold of Michael Lang, the organizer of Woodstock, and probably talk to him. I would have absolutely... I mean, obviously, I couldn't change the lineup. I mean, I'm just, you know, who am I? But I would love to sit down and talk to him and just see the reasoning behind this lineup. I mean, everybody and their brothers is, is rolling their eyes at this. If you had all these blockbusters there, like if you had Aerosmith and you had like, you know, Korn and Dave Matthews Band and uh, and Nine Inch Nails, if you had all like the grunge era there, you could probably get away with the price of the tickets that they're doing now. Maybe. Maybe. But you would have to have a a really kick-ass lineup to sell that kind of price or to sell tickets at that kind of price. And it's just not there. And you know what I feel like? I feel because it's already resonating with all the people all over the world, especially over the Internet land. That's one. That's the biggest difference about now versus 99. In 1999, the Internet was still in its, in its early stages. We didn't have, you know, you didn't have social media. You didn't have Facebook. You didn't have Instagram. You didn't have Snapchat. You had AOL, and that was pretty, and maybe one other type of uh, internet service, ISP. And that was it. Now, it's a way different playing field. And there's a lot more ways to get your opinion out or to just sense the, res- the resonating, like, the emotional state of people that are thinking about going to this thing. I mean, when I go through these, these posts about Woodstock, and some of these music sites that are posting like articles about it, people are in agreement. They're they they're 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 sitting where I'm sitting. We can't believe the price it costs to get in and the lineup that they put together. Here's the thing: if I was Dave Matthews Band, or if I was Corn, or or uh, uh, Soundgarden, if I had let's say I had places booked already all over the country around that time, and it was going to be inconvenient. Guess what? I would cancel all of the performances that I had and go to Woodstock, the 50th anniversary, because it's it, for the historic aspect of it. I can't, um, I just can't, I, I, see, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this, and, and I've done a lot of thinking about it. And today, when I found out the price of the tickets, it just set me off. I can't, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time sleeping. I really am. Because I'm not paying that for the, I am not paying almost $800 to get in the door for one day. Because I want to go all three days and experience it. But I'm not going to drop a $4,000 bill. I can tell you that right now. And other people won't either. Are there going to be rich people that go? Absolutely. Are there going to be people that are going to be saving all year long to go? That Absolutely. Like I said, if the lineup was better, I would consider going. But I don't know 95% of the people that they have scheduled to perform. And most other people don't either. I remember how excited I was back in 1999 when I was walking around Woodstock. I said, oh, man, where am I going to be in life when the 50th anniversary comes around? I can't wait to go. It's going to be amazing. And here we are just a few months away, and I have no desire to attend. And that bothers me because it's so much fun at the last one.
I mean, for months after Woodstock '99, you felt like you felt like you were really a part of something, like a like a I don't want to say a turning point, but it was. Now they had problems when Woodstock was finally over. They had riots and fire and stuff like that. But that a lot of a lot of that was because the water was out of control. It was you know twelve bucks a bottle, and beer was expensive too, and food. A little pizza was like ten bucks, and it was so hot. It's it's such a, it's such a shame. And I, I, you know what, you know what, you know what it is too, is that this will be the last one. This will, pro- this will definitely be the last Woodstock for Michael Lang because he's getting up there in age. Won't be around for the seventy fifth. They won't be around for the hundredth if they have one. So that's why, like, you should just go all in with your chips, even if you're going to take a loss. I feel like this wasn't done right, and and they. I would just, I want to sit down with Michael Lang and interview him. What were you thinking? Maybe he could convince me why he chose this, and maybe I would have, I would see it in a different light. But that would take an awful lot of convincing. It's it's going to be interesting. Tickets go on sale. Let me see here. Tickets go on sale. I'm pulling it up right now for you guys. It's April something. I think it's April 22nd. Yeah, April 22nd. The tickets will go on sale. And they start at seven eighty eight. So that could mean and by the way, it's from August sixteenth through the eighteenth in Watkins Glen, New York. It's about hundred and fifteen miles northwest of the original concert site. So like I said, that's gonna be you know, it's it's a nice drive. You know, you're looking at about with all the traffic you're gonna encounter, it's gonna be about a five hour ride. From the original Woodstock North, Northwest, and that's another thing you got to consider. If people know, listen, if I own a home around where Woodstock, the 50th anniversary of Woodstock, is going to be, and I know you're paying almost $800 to get in the door, I know that you're not going to, you know, if everybody collectively put their minds together a mile radius from where Woodstock's going to be, and said everybody, let's everyone, everybody that owns a house that has some property where you can put a few cars on every day, a hundred dollars per car. You will make a killing. Because when I was at Woodstock 99, I met people that were from all over the world. Australia, Japan, China, California, Canada, even some people, I think, from England. And here I was an hour and a half away from the, from the site. I mean, there's people that took a week to drive there. From like the lower, the lower uh, southwest part of the country come up and experience that amazing concert it's you know what i think you're gonna see people are people are so upset with the price of how outrageously high these tickets are to go to woodstock they're gonna sit back and enjoy it on social media the real kick in the ass i'll tell you what the real the real mule stomp will be if they tell you you can't come in with your phones Nobody's really talking about that. That would be kind of hard to enforce, but if they could do if they could pull that off and virtually have a blanket a social media blackout, then they could sell the uh, you know, videos for a subscription fee or you know, or you would have to subscribe to watch it as if you were there. You know, maybe they have live webcams or people going around with live cameras. And you'd have to pay, you know, $100 a day to, you know, view it or something. 
Imagine that. A social media blackout. A total just boom, gone. You can't tweet. You can't Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, pictures or video so that you would be more likely to come and buy a ticket since they're going to have a, 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 maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll make it really difficult initially, you know, to broadcast all your pictures and everything that you're doing there. It's a little water break here in Yuba Studios. Hold on. Oh, it's just so good. I love water. So what do you think? Send me an email. I would love to get your feedback about this. Are you going to Woodstock or are you not going to Woodstock? I would, love to, I would love to hear from people that are going, that plan on buying tickets. And I would love to hear from people that don't have any desire, or that had a desire to go until they found out how expensive it was going to be. And the lineup. I mean, I feel like we could talk about the lineup forever. And if you're curious what it is, just go to Google and type in uh, Woodstock 50th anniversary lineup. You'll see it all right there. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You can reach me at hubastudios at gmail.com or you can comment on the uh, Huba Studios Facebook page or also on Instagram, Huba Studios, H-U-B-A Studios, all together. So send me an email. Let me know what you think. I want to hear some feedback from you guys, all my listeners. Get to the bottom of this. We'll have to come up with a hashtag or something like, you know, what were you th- hashtag? What were you thinking, Michael Lang? <laughs> what, uh, or let's see, Woodstock, Woodstock, hashtag Woodstock, whatever. No, that's kind of stupid. Hashtag bad lineup. Oh, that would be good. Hashtag really expensive. Hashtag overpriced. Wickedly overpriced. Oh, I like that one. Hashtag wickedly overpriced Woodstock. I'll have to come up with a really creative hashtag for this. And I'll put it with my podcast. Thanks for listening to Huba Studios. This has been a, a trip down memory, memory lane for me. And I was hoping to create more memories this year with Woodstock, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I mean, even if I hit the lottery, I, I, I just, I, I don't know the bands. I don't know the bands. I've heard of a, like two or three of them. And I wouldn't even pay, even if they, even if they were going to come down solo to uh, an arena by me, I still wouldn't see them because they are not the typical people that I listen to. I like rap and pop and all that stuff, but I don't listen to Miley Cyrus. And I listen to Jay Z's songs once, Jay Z's songs every so often. I haven't listened to Jay Z in probably. Probably two or three years since he did a collaboration with Justin Timberlake and Frero. And that was it. Feel free to come back and listen. I've got a, I have, see, with my podcast, I plan on doing things that are very just like whatever. I'm not going to be only talking about food or only talking about concerts or only talking about politics. It's whatever I feel like talking about. And we could, we, there's so many tangents. We could be talking about things. We could be talking about going to like the springs in Florida and swimming. And then a few minutes later, we're talking about, you know, maybe the, uh, maybe, maybe Woodstock. You never know where a podcast is going to go with me. And that's the way I like it. <laughs>